Hi, and welcome to Comchurch Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. Last week, Pastor Julian spoke on a message that he called uh, Change Culture. Amen. And one of the things that he said is that uh, himself and Pastor Sarah often ask themselves why we do the things that we do in church or why they do the things that they do as Christians. Amen. Sometimes we do certain things because that's what we have seen done by others. We come to the Lord, we find that's what Christians do and that's what we start doing. We never really look into why those things are done. But it is important that we know from Scripture why we do what we do. I like the Christians of uh, Berea. Every time the apostles preached a message to them, the Bible says they went home and searched the Scriptures to see that what they were taught was true. They were not only content in hearing the apostles speak the word of God. They determined, I will go home and search whether what they were saying is in fact the word of God. And that's the attitude I think that we ought to have as believers. Knowing firsthand why we do what we do. There's a true story that Rose always tells me. It's funny, but it is a true story. There's this little girl who grew up in a household where the mom always used to cut the leg of a chicken before putting it in a pot to boil it. Always she would cut the leg, cut the leg. So this young girl saw this over and over and over till she grew up. She got married, had her own family. And lo and behold, that's what she used to do. She would cut one leg off before boiling a chicken, full chicken in a pot. One day the mom visits her and she sees her doing the same. The mom says, why are you doing that? She says, oh, that's how you cook a chicken. That's how I've always seen you do it. The mom says, no, no, no. I always used to do it because the set of my pots were too small for the chicken to fit. That's why I cut the leg so it will fit in a pot. But she took it, that's the way it's done. But I think as believers, we ought to always refer back to Scripture. Because sometimes the finer edges of what we do get lost. The main reason why we do certain things get lost because that's what they've always done. I will do it as well. We need to go back to Scripture. And this morning I have a question I want to pose to us. In that line of change culture, why do we pray? I'm sure most of us never really pause to think of, of, of that. I never. When I got born again, that's the first thing I saw when I went into the house of the Lord. That's what I've always done. But why do we pray? Scripture never asked us to pray. Now, before you carry me out of this auditorium, just give me a moment to explain myself because I know there are some here who would already be spraying in the spirit and say, he needs to be cast out. <laughs> Just give me a moment to explain myself. Just as scripture never asked us to love God, 
but it asked us to love God with all of our strength, with all of our souls, and with all of our hearts. Never asked us to pray, but it asked us to pray without ceasing. Now that's going to be the title of my message this morning, Praying Without Ceasing. Now there is a world of a difference between those two statements. We can pray, but scripture says pray without ceasing. Pray persistently. Amen. Pray persistently. Now in the gospel of Luke chapter 18, I'll read from verse 1. The scripture says, Now Jesus was telling the disciples a parable to make the point that at all times they ought to pray and not give up and lose heart. That was the point of the parable. That they would pray at all times. Pray, don't lose heart. Pray, don't get discouraged. Pray, pray, pray. Now if you look at this verse 1, verse 1 is not the parable itself. The parable is from verse 2 to verse 8. There is something very interesting about this, as I said. The purpose of the parable itself is outlined in verse 1. There are only two parables where the purpose of the parable is outlined beforehand. It's in this parable and the parable right next to this one. This one goes up to verse 8. Verse 9 is the second one where the purpose is outlined before the parable. And both of them are about prayer. I don't know why this is. Out of all the parables, I don't know why this is. But the one thing I know is that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And I take it this is important. There must be a reason why it is outlined beforehand. But it's not enough to stop there and say, well, we have gotten the message. The Lord Jesus is teaching us about praying at all times. Because if we stop there, then we miss out on the most important thing of all, which are the details. It's like this morning I can tell you the destination. This is where you are supposed to end up. But if I haven't told you the directions, you will never arrive at your destination. So it's important that we dig into the detail. Now read the whole parable. It says, now Jesus was telling his disciples a parable to make the point that at all times they ought to pray and not give up and lose heart. Saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and had no respect for men. There was a desperate widow in that city and she kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice and legal protection from my adversary. For a time he would not, but later he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect men, yet because this widow continues to bother me, I will give a justice and legal protection. Otherwise, by her continual coming, she will be an, in, she will be an intolerable annoyance and she will wear me out. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not our just God defend and avenge his elect, 
his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay in providing justice on their behalf? I tell you that he will defend and avenge them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this kind of persistent faith on earth? There are two main things I, I, I want to share with us from this parable. Amen. Unlike other parables, this is not a parable of comparison. This is a parable of contrast. The judge is not a representation of God. Actually, he is the opposite. Because scripture says, number one, he is unjust. Our God is just. Number two, the scripture says, he had no regard for men. Our God loves us. Amen. So that's the one thing we ought to pay attention to, this judge. So the widow keeps going to it, keeps going to it, keeps going to it. She doesn't give up. Until eventually she grants her, her requests. But the reason was one of selfishness at way as well. It was not because he was moved by this widow. He says it there. He says, well, lest she wearies me out. I'm getting tired of her continually coming. Lest she weary me. Let me just grant her her desires. But she kept going. Now, this is not to say that when we go before God, God doesn't hear us. That he needs some kind of encouragement where we keep going over and over until God says, okay, here it is. That's not what the scripture is saying. The reason we pray persistently is not because God does not hear us. It is not about overcoming God's reluctance, but rather it is about laying hold of his ever-present willingness. It is the faith that says, I will not let go until I see the manifestation of my prayers. Number two, we come to the widow. She had no one to help her, no one to fight for her causes. So she is the one who goes to the judge by herself day in, day out, seeking justice. The one thing I want to point to us today, as I said, this is about contrast. We are not widows. We are the bride of Christ. Jesus is not dead. He is risen. Therefore, we are the bride of God. So we have this parable that give a contrast of extremes. To one side, we have an unjust judge. He doesn't care about men at all there. On the other spectrum, we have a widow. No one to fight for her. Then comes me and you. We have a loving father who says, Come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Unlike the judge who did not want anything to do with men, God says, Come to me. I have an open invitation for you. Here is our God. Not at the far end. Our God is here. Then we have the widow over that side. As I said, we are the bride of Christ. We are not that far from God, but we are here with God. Therefore, the message of the parable is, if these two extremes, a woman could keep 
seeking justice, seeking justice until it is given. She does not give up. How much more you and I? We live with our God. Our God is in us. Our God is hungry and willing and yearning for us to come to him. He is yearning to reveal himself to us when we pray. How much more then, looking at those two extremes, why would we get discouraged in prayer? Sometimes, yes, we may not see the manifestation of our prayers on day one, day two, year one, year two. We may not see them, but God is saying, if the widow whose oars were so slim would never give up, how much more you, my children, that I have called by my name. He says, persist in prayer. Yes, we haven't seen the manifestation, but continue. Yes, we haven't seen the answer, but at all times, not sometimes, at all times, let us not be put to shame by a helpless widow facing an unjust judge when we have a just God in front of us. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Jesus is teaching us here. Let not delay be the thing that stops you from continuing in prayer. He is teaching us here, let not discouragement be the thing that stops you in prayer. Let not despair be the thing that stops you. And let not the reputation of the obstacle that's in front of you be the thing that stops you. The widow did not let the reputation of the judge stop her. Everyone in town knew he was an unjust judge. Everyone in town knew he had no respect for men. But the widow did not let that hinder her. Let's go before our father with confidence. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. The apostle Paul writes to the church. He says, be persistent and devoted to prayer. Being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. I was looking at what does persistent mean? As I told you, I stopped just reading things. I said, okay, why is this written there? Why is the scripture saying this? Then I went into the meanings of this. What does persistent mean? It means to continue doing something in a determined way, even when facing difficulties or opposition which is exactly what the Lord Jesus was teaching in the parable. Being persistent means to be determined in our prayers. It means to be relentless in our prayers. We keep going at it over and over and over again. Relentless. Unwavering. Yes, we may get knocked over, but we rise up and we keep going at it. This is a recurring theme. That is not just about praying, but praying in a persistent manner, in a consistent manner. Romans chapter 12, verse 12, again, is the same thing. It says from verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another, not lacking in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. We are taught to continue steadfastly without giving up. 
being firm in our prayers. Amen. Being firm. We fast forward again to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17. The Apostle Paul says the same thing over and over again. It's not just about prayer, but how you get at it. And this time, Paul goes a step further. Says from verse 16, Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. In every situation, no matter what the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. He says, don't pray consistently because I am preaching it. Don't pray consistently because I'm telling you. Pray consistently because it is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Praying is not an option. It's not an opt-out for believers. Actually, from now on, if you hear me saying pray, I mean pray consistently. Because I think we use it as believers, then it loses meaning. But we are meant to pray consistently. Pray without ceasing. Pray regularly. Paul says, this is not a suggestion from me. And it's not a suggestion from the Lord either. It is his will for my life. It is his will for your life. His plan and his purpose for our lives. It's not an option. So then unless someone knows of a better plan for our lives than the plan of God, I would say this morning we are shortchanging ourselves if we don't pray without ceasing, if we don't pray consistently. We are shortchanging ourselves. This is the best plan that we know. Hallelujah. So then I keep saying praying regularly. How often is regularly? Should we be praying all of our time? Should we be praying every second of our lives? Obviously not. Because Jesus, who gave the parable, we know from reading scripture, he wasn't praying when he walked this earth. He wasn't praying every day. Other times he was preaching. Other times he was healing the sick. Other times he was praying. It's the same with the Apostle Paul. He used to go around, travel extensively, preaching the gospel. But we know from reading they were constantly praying, regularly in prayer. And as well, we ought to be regular in our prayer lives. Regular, persistent, unwavering, unceasing, never stopping. Not because this is what Christians do. But this is the will of God for our lives. This is what God has said before the foundations of time. He has set it out that their lives should follow this path and this plan. So I would say with the same passion and the same effort that we devote ourselves to godly living in other aspects of our Christian lives, we should devote ourselves to prayer with the same passion. I was looking at the statistics for prayer in general. Among the church, they are not great. And really, as I read this, it really touched my heart. 
that the scripture tells us praying is the will of God for you and I. And yet go to every church, go to every church prayer meeting. Count for yourself how many people are there. If it is the will of God for each one of us, the whole church must be in a church prayer meeting. It's the will of God. Hallelujah. Now I want to point out, we can, we can ask ourselves, what do we pray for? If we are meant to keep praying, keep pray, what do we pray for? Eventually I run out of things to pray about. I would say this morning, if the only reason that we ever pray or come before God is because we have a need in our lives or things are not going well, we have completely missed the point of prayer. Completely. But oftentimes, this is what prayer has been reduced to. When things are not well, let's run to prayer. When things are well, we go on with our normal lives. Our goal in praying may be to get needs met when we go before God. But God's goal when you go before him in prayer is to get us. That's his goal, to get our hearts, to get us. His goal for us when we go in prayer is for us to know him better, to trust him more, to obey him, to love him more deeply. As we pray consistently, he touches our lives. He changes our lives. I would argue this morning that a praying man or woman is evident. A praying church is evident. Because the handiwork of God is on full display in their lives. It is clear God has touched and changed their lives. So if we don't pray consistently, we are simply depriving ourselves of the hand of God being at work in our lives, in all aspects of our lives. Not only in needs, it's good for our needs to be met. God himself says, come to me and I'll meet your needs. I will supply all your needs according to my riches in glory. He invites us. But that is not all about prayer. If we can look at um, Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. If it can be put on the screen, uh, please. The Lord's Prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. Needs, there are about seven, seven aspects that the Lord Jesus taught about uh, when he, he taught us how to pray. Amen. He starts off by saying from verse, um, verse 7, says, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard, for there are many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Then he gives us an outline on how to pray. And in that outline, there are about seven things. Needs is just one of them. Just one out of the seven things. 
Now, even by our common reasoning, we know that if we only benefit in one out of the seven, then our lives are not as rich as God intends them to because we deprive ourselves of the other six. Says our Father in heaven, acknowledging his fatherhood over our lives, acknowledging his love over our lives, hallowed be your name. We honor God, we worship him, we revere him, and he draws us near. Says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The submission to God, submitting to his will. Says, give us this day our daily bread, which is God meeting our needs. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Our relationships with men are addressed in prayer. Do not lead us into temptation, seeking God's guidance in every area of our lives. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Now, if we don't seek God in prayer in all these areas and we only focus on needs, then we have missed a big part of what God intended for us when he said, praying consistently shall be my will for them. Hallelujah. As we persist in prayer, as we continue in prayer, God draws near to us because that's what his word says. If you draw near to me, no conditions, it's simple. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. I've never known a man who has been close to God and they have not been touched or changed. It's the same with the church. It needs to draw near to God in prayer and allow God to work in the life of the church. Allow God to work in our lives, in our families. But we need to do it persistently and consistently. Those who go to the gym know this very well. If you don't go as consistently, your efforts in the gym will not be visible. For those who go regularly, you don't need anyone to tell you that that man, that woman has been in the gym. You see it. It's the same with us. Let's pray persistently. As we persist in prayer with God, he touches our lives and he manifests himself and he meets our needs. A few weeks ago, Pastor Julian preached about uh, the presence of God and reminded us that there is the omnipresence of God. Each one of us, we have the presence of God, the omnipresence of God. But there is the manifest presence of God where his presence, where his power is shown through our lives. His handiwork is shown through our lives. That is what prayer brings, the manifest presence of God. Let's give God the platform to show himself on our behalf. Amen. Persistence in prayer compels us to the center of prayer, which is not something, but which is someone. We should not be drawn in prayer, the primary reason being because we are after something. But we must be drawn to prayer because we are after God's heart.
The more time we spend in prayer with God, the more we become like him. My brother and I used to study quite a lot during our O-levels and A-levels. We studied very hard. We'll come home from school at 1. By 2.30, we are set. We'll take the kitchen table, take it to our bedroom, and we will sit there and read and read. We will break off for dinner, go back at it. We'll read until 1 a.m., 2 a.m. We'll do it day in, day out. But all that work, imagine if, if all we ever did was only to study one subject. Come to the exam time, we will excel in that one subject and fail all the other eight subjects. We will simply de deprive ourselves of the result of our hard work. It's the same in prayer. If all we focus on is verse 11, on God meeting our needs, we deprive ourselves of the abundant life that he wants us to have. He says, I have come that you would have life and have it even more abundantly. The hindrance is not God. It is us. Are we willing to open up ourselves for him to just manifest himself in me? It starts with persistent prayer. Persistence. Hallelujah. It's important that we continue at it. And the reason is simple. It's because God wants us to be a people of prayer. God wants our church to be a church of prayer. If a lot of what God intended for us is manifest in prayer, then we ought to keep at it. If as a church we don't pray, then how are we going to see the manifestation of God in all those things that I outlined? The will of God being revealed to us, the guidance of God, the provision of God, worshipping and honoring a just God. We need to keep going at these things. Now I want, us to, I want to leave us with this. That persistence in prayer is not for God's purposes. It's not for God's sake, but for our sake. It's not for God's benefit, but for our benefit. And there's a Danish theologian once said in 1813, prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Comchurch Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless. God bless.